As a thankful recipient of many, many skincare products over the years, I've learned to discern what is naturally actually activating my skin to rebalance and recalibrate on its own. That's what your skin is meant to be doing, and it keeps getting disrupted by all these choices that we make. So, when the founder and creator of Herbal Face Food reached out to me, I was all ears. I didn't know why at first. It turns out that Herbal Face Food is the most potent antioxidant skincare line on the market today, period. The raw plant ingredients in each of their products are never processed, never manipulated with synthetics or emulsifiers. These anti-aging botanicals are combined with the most precious plant concentrates, and they have changed my skin. Here's how. I'm going to talk about two of the products, the Herbal Face Food Serums and the Cream. The serums contain powerful phytoenzymes and antioxidants. These are activated and infused into your tissues. They hydrate and increase the resiliency of your skin, and they feel like they're plumping up your face. I use Serum 1 daily. I use Serum 2 when I'm tired and I need extra firming for my skin. And I use the X, which is also known as the Cure, for a small patch of rosacea that flares up every now and again, which you cannot see because of these products. When you feed your skin with herbal face food, you will feel real live ingredients at work. An activating flush, an invigorating tingle, some warmth, all of these are evidence of your skin healing at the cellular level and years of damage reversing. The cream is the most potent moisturizer I've ever tried, and I've tried them all. I live in the high desert. This cream contains 102 of the world's most powerful anti-aging botanicals and is also the world's first and only edible SPF <laughs> with a protection rating of SPF 50+. Plus. And this is accomplished 100% by plant power. And you can expect intense hydration, soothing for your tired skin. You can expect to see inflammation calmed and rebuilding of elasticity so your complexion looks and feels more smooth, and more radiant. Herbal face food is not plant-based. It's plant-powered. It has the highest rating on the ORAC anti-aging scale. ORAC means oxygen radical absorbance capacity. I never knew what that meant before. Highest, over 30 million on that scale. By contrast, vitamin C in skincare rates under 100,000. Herbal face food is using all post-consumer recycled materials and packaging. They use glass and aluminum, which is super easy to recycle as well. The products and packaging are 99% free of plastics. They contain no ingredients that involve the destruction or harm of any plant, animal, or marine life. These are 100% plants only, these products. These active concentrates are coming from the seeds, the fruits, the leaves, or the flowers of the plants only. These products have been a complete revolution for me. I know that you will love the way your skin looks and feels after using it even for just a day or two. And the best part is that Herbal Face Food has offered us, you, my community, a code to receive 20% off forever, ever. The code is capital E-L-E-N-A 20. Once again, that's my name in all caps, ELENA2020. The site is herbalfacefood.com. The code is all caps ELENA20. It's not just your first purchase, it's any purchase. You will love these products, and I am so grateful 
herbal face food for the change that you have made in my life. Thank you. Welcome to the Practice You podcast. My name is Elena Brower. Together, we'll explore and enjoy content and conversations around mastering transitions. In our relations, our wellness, our careers, our families, and especially in our missions and visions. You are invited to learn and love and listen with me. Welcome to Practice You. Welcome back to the podcast. I have with me today a very old friend, somebody I've known for, I think it's been 20 years. His name is David Romanelli. David, welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So nice to be with you. Mm. I remember the day that we met. For some reason, it's etched in my mind. We were, I think you were in a car that was picking me up or we were going somewhere to study, to take a yoga teacher training in Tucson. Yes, with John John Friend. You haven't heard that yes. name a lot lately, but yes. No, you haven't. And when I met you, I was instantly smitten. Like I knew that I had to be your friend. I sort of thought I think I might have liked you at the time. And it was a done deal. We were going to be friends for life. Um, ever since then, you have authored two best-selling books. One is called Happy is the New Healthy, and the other is called Lessons from the Oldest and Wisest. Is, do I have that correct? Yes, Life Lessons from the Oldest and Wisest. Life Lessons from the Oldest and Wisest. Um, both were inspired by a series of intergenerational events, and now you came so close to elders in their 80s and 90s and 100s. Um, Elders who survived the Holocaust, who fought in World War One, who endured through countless boons and busts and lived to tell their stories. I I need to ask you first about that whole series of events, and then I want to get into the work that you're doing now with your child. Okay. Your, your daughter is how old? Three now. She's four. She's four now. She is in the middle of cancer treatment. She's yes, she's in remission and she's overcoming leukemia and she, she's doing great. Amazing. Um, the last year has been completely unexpected and the scary, you know, brings you face to face with, you know, the scariest thing a par any parent could imagine. And so we've been through a lot, but I also feel in some ways, like it's a gift because, you know, more grateful, uh, more aware and more awake, so much closer now mm -hmm. to my, my children than I was before. And so I've learned a lot. It's such a blessing to talk to you right now. Thank you. Yeah. And in, in the middle of all of this, you know, what we think is, is the worst, you know, the pandemic where we're suffering through so much and it's like, actually, <laughs> yeah, no, actually, yeah. no you're not actually suffering through so much. And this is a story that we need to hear. Um, we'll start with the elders and then we're going to move toward your baby. Okay. The obsession <laughs> that you have with the elders mirrors mine. I have always been obsessed with the elders and I can't wait. I feel like I'm becoming the elder that I really want to be, that I know the world needs. I'm really honored to be getting older. Um, talk to us a little bit about why 
so obsessed with the elders and what you've gained. Well, you know, you and I were, were and are in the yoga world and it was always my last surviving grandparent was in an old age home in Los Angeles. And I saw how lonely she was and how disconnected she was from the flow of life. And I was in the yoga world and you had like the 32 year old yoga star with a big Instagram following was the source for a quote unquote wisdom. And the 88 year old world war II survivor in the old age home was dying a lonely death. And I felt something wasn't right. And I started interviewing these lonely elders and doing these events that I call drinks with your elders and would invite older people who tended to be very lonely and come into their community and did these events all over the country. And they shared their stories with younger people like you and I am. So beautiful. Yeah. And the wisdom that you take from these people is very different from what you get from the podcasting jet set, I call it, who have found the secrets to youth and how to make a lot of money fast and all the tech hacks and so forth. I mean, these are people who are 80s, 90s, 100s, and their advice has stood the test of time. So it carries a certain value and weight that I found in my life um, is very helpful, especially with walking my daughter through cancer treatment. And, you know, that elder generation, they had been through stuff that most people in our time haven't faced, namely, you know, growing up a a Jew, that generation, my grandparents escaped uh, the Nazis and left this life behind. And they were very lucky to survive Mm -hmm. the Holocaust. But you, you talk to people of that generation who were Holocaust survivors, and I interviewed several of them for my book, and you hear the the pain that they faced. And maybe it was the first time I could sort of start to relate to that, having been through this past year. Right. So, Did you ever get to interview Dr. Edith Eager? What, what, what was the name of the book? I think I know. What's the name yes. of the book you wrote? There were two. One is called The Choice, and the second is called The Gift. And I just interviewed her last week for the podcast. I have The Choice, and I've heard a lot about her, but I, I didn't interview elders who were necessarily known. I sort of interviewed more obscure elders. I see. Yeah. Uh, she is basically like my gr- long lost grandmother. She was in a pile of bodies in Auschwitz when they came to liberate the camp. And the only reason why she and her sister were saved was because for some reason her sister had a can of sardines in her hand. And she moved her hand in such a way that one of the soldiers saw the glint of the tin. And they were both saved from a pile wow. of bodies. Yeah. She is a prolific psychotherapist. She's a a dear author, best-selling author, insane, translated into a million languages, insane. She's like Viktor Frankl for our time. Uh, Yeah, I have the choice and I've picked it up and put it down and picked it up and now I'll really pick it up. So thank you. Yeah. She's epic. Epic. When you listen to her podcast episode, you'll see I like really... I study for everybody, but I really, really studied for her. I had like three pages of notes all typed out. It was so cute. So in your stories and interviews and times with the elders, if you could think of one really salient experience that you would want to share with my listener right now, what would that be? Oh, wow. Um, I mean, the the one elder who inspired me most, I wrote a whole book, Happy is the New Healthy, and she was 108 when I met her. 
She lived on a third floor walk up in the Upper East Side. She lived to be 111. So we call that a super centenarian. There's only about 60 wow. people on the planet out of 7 billion. There's only about 60 people that we know about that are that old. And probably they think 300 globally, but most of them we just don't know about. And her three tips, you know, I said to her, how did you get to live to be this old? How did you manage? What were your secrets? And she said, sex, vodka, and spicy food. So it's that reminder. Wow. The joie de vie. <laughs> and, you know, you got to enjoy it. You got to enjoy it. To turn that last corner totally. after totally. and pick up momentum instead of just mm -hmm. peter out. You've mm -hmm. got to have that, that lust for life and literally lust and Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's epic. It's so good. I was hoping I would hear you really get a good belly laugh in, Dave. <laughs> well, and the funny thing is, you know, when you visit these old age homes, they're like frat houses in terms of the um, the carnal cravings they have. They don't get less as you get older. They actually increase in there. And all bets are off in terms of how safe you're going to be because what the hell do you have to lose when you're 93? So wow. Like in Arizona, where yeah, I live in Arizona, and like the it's like Sun City is the retirement community is the hot spot in the state for sexually transmitted diseases, which isn't exactly the most pleasant thing to share, but you can't help but kind of smile and laugh when you hear that. No, I can't. I'm smiling and also <laughs> laughing on the inside. That's crazy. That's, I'm secretly right now, secretly kind of relieved that my mom passed away when she did. I don't know. <laughs> Oh my gosh. What I do know is this though, that your work over the course of these many years that I have been observing you do this work has completely led me to believe that homes for old people should be outlawed and all the old people should be living with their families. Unless of course there's some mental illness, you know, that would sort of uh, necessitate uh, professional help. But I feel like we've lost the family completely. We've lost having the elder in the house. Like, I kind of wish my dad and his woman were nearby and we could just hang yeah. out with them all the time. Like, they're obviously I moved, so they're not near. But, you know, God forbid something like that happens. Unless there's professional help needed, I would want them nearer to me rather than farther away. Yeah. I mean, listen, I agree. It's easy to say it when, and it's a lot of work for the children of an elder, especially if there are health issues and dementia and, and whatnot. Right. So I'm not sure right. if the listener who's dealing with someone that's requires a lot of attention would agree or not, but there's something to be said for having elder relationships. And a lot of people I know that are my age don't have anyone in their life who's in their 80s and 100s or 100s. And I think that's a big disconnect. So yeah, I agree with that. Um, and I'll say, just because I'm hearing your sort of qualification caveat, if you're listening to us and you do have a parent in your care, I don't want to be flip and say, you know, yeah, that's the greatest. Like, I actually am well aware of how difficult that is. I've been in situations before where that is a factor. And it's very serious. It's a serious responsibility. It's a serious time commitment so I say all of this with the intention of let's, as a community, you know, as a collective, make an effort to be more in contact even with an elder in your life or, or an elder in someone else's life somewhere where you could just sit with them and sort of listen to them, talk to them and ask them 
questions. I, I do feel very full after talking to Dr. Edith, and I try and be in touch with as many elders as I can in my learning, you know, online and in my uh, work in the world. And I think, yeah. it, I think it makes me a more full, whole person. Yes. The advice you get too, and it fills the, the missing yes. pieces. Yes, yes, yes. So take us to your daughter's diagnosis, please. Bring us to that moment. I would like yeah. to be part of it. Yeah, it was like a year ago. This month, a year ago, she woke up with a limp in her leg. And, you know, she's three. She was play, probably was playing outside. We had a low-grade fever. And we called the pediatrician, and they were like, you need to get her in here immediately. And my wife and I were ghost white because the urgency of it was so scary. And we brought her in. And Wait, can you explain why the urgency of a limp and a low-grade well, fever? Well, first and foremost, they didn't think leukemia. They think it's a, it's a virus that if it comes with a fever – needs to be treated with like a hardcore antibiotic. And they said, if it still happens, if it doesn't go away, but if it, if the fever stays low grade, it's fine. If it doesn't, if the limp doesn't go away in a week, then you need to get blood work. You know, the worst case scenario with a limp, you look up these things on Google and there's 10 things and there's always a worst case scenario for anything you look up. And the worst case scenario is leukemia. And so we're like, oh, it can't be that, no way. And it didn't go away in a week and we went to get blood work and we still, the doctor still, the pediatrician did, still didn't think it was that because it's so, it's the most common childhood cancer, but it's still relatively rare. The pediatrician said they've probably had a few cases in the history of their practice. And I, I, I mean, I'm sitting outside right now and you just don't forget these moments in your life. And it was like six o'clock on a Friday night, a beautiful night, March 30th. Uh, last year and the pediatrician called and we we were just expecting him to say oh it's fine you're good have a good weekend and he said you know i have worrisome news for you their the results were and he started reeling them off and and i said does this mean it's leukemia and he said we think i think so and you heard the i mean not the next thing i remember my wife just wailing like the cry like a wailing cry in the background and, you know, I never forget things like that. And the, and I said to the pediatrician, is this something they can treat? And he, and he said, oh, yes, like it's 90 to 95%. And I, you know, said that to my wife, but I don't think she heard it. And, you know, you hear leukemia and it's, this, it's a scary word. And we've, over time, figured out that they really know how to treat childhood leukemia now. And they have a path forward. And it's a really, really, really good outcomes. And I, I hear from tons of grown kids who had it when they were young, who are living normal adult lives and other parents whose kids have had, had it and they're living perfectly great lives. And so kids generally get through it, but it is a difficult process and a lot of chemotherapy. And, you know, you work through a lot of worrisome moments and a lot of fears um, and to have to face the to even have to think about the mortality of your child is, you know, kind of puts the rest of your life in a different perspective. And so I've had to really work through a lot of stuff this year, but I feel so much richer and more appreciative for everything we've been through. And, you know, I'm a different person now. So the things that used to bother me 
little things and ways that I would measure myself and things I would worry about. Now you kind of hold it up against what we've been through and it's not that big of a deal anymore. So I'm really proud to be able to tell you as an old friend that I'm a, I'm a bit better person. And I think my daughter is a much more loving little girl than she was before this. She's been so loved through this and she's a much softer, sweeter, kinder little girl than she was before this all happened. But yeah, I don't wish it on anyone. Wow. That's just a big fat wow. Yeah, it's a big fat wow. How's your woman doing now? She's good. I mean, we've, you know, you really have to go through something like this together and you have to work as a team. Um, You know, it can draw you apart. It can really create a lot of stress and draw you apart or it can bring you closer together. And with a little child, three and she turned four in December, you, they, they looked for the energy. They looked for the positivity. What, what example are mommy and daddy setting here? And if they see you arguing with each other and fighting and stressing, that's not good for their healing process. But if they see you just being positive and loving and drawing closer as a family, that's how a little child sort of views the world as good or bad. So it's really brought us closer and we're, we see it as a blessing. Mm. I can feel it. And your daughter has a brother. Yes. And he's, you know, it's not easy on the sibling who's he's six because the sibling bears the brunt in terms of, you know, the attention goes more toward the one who's being treated and, and he doesn't have the flexibility to do as much because her immune system's compromised throughout this. So we have, we've really had to, whoops, we've really had to be more attentive to, to Go that. back to saying, uh, so, so let's go back to the very beginning of the answer. She has a brother, yes? Yes, the brother, her brother's six, and he's kind of paid a price in terms of that we've had to be more attentive because she has a compromised immune system and we haven't had the flexibility to do things as a family that we normally would. And, you know, I mean, she's had some temper tantrums and it's probably age appropriate, but some of it might just be the frustration that she hasn't been in school. She hasn't been able to be around kids. And so she has some some, uh, meltdowns that feel like as a parent, you're getting your eyeballs blowtorched. And I think some of that's age appropriate, but some of it's also what she's been through. And man, he hears that, her brother hears that, and it's frustrating. But we are getting through it and we're starting to travel again. And we're almost at a phase in her treatment where you get the normalcy back and she's going to go to school at the end of the summer when school starts and wow. her hair is growing back. Wow. Everything's coming back. It feels wow. like it's been a little bit of a winter. Yeah. And we've cozied up and now it's it's spring. But listen, there's still moments where my heart stops and I get worried and you know, there's a process where you go to the to get chemo treatment and and you have to get your blood checked and if you don't make counts, which means you don't have enough um of like your immune systems, like not doesn't have enough white blood cells, then they have to pause the treatment and they wait for the counts to come back. And it's the most normal thing in this. But when it happens, it's still, I still can't help but get worried. And I think it's the most normal thing in the world. And there are little kind of mousetraps throughout this process that snap you and you get 
stuck and you have to work through it and wait till the next blood test, which is Friday. And then, if she, you know, you hope she makes counts again. And if she doesn't a couple times in a row, it's still not a big deal. But it just, you, it's, it really tests your, your faith mm-hmm. and your ability to work through worry as a parent and in, in your marriage and your relationship and, and work through that. And those are some hard moments and hard tests to pass. And, but then, you know, she makes counts and it's a little thing to celebrate and you're back on track and the reward is like more chemo. So that's my life. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I I can't even, I can't even imagine. And yet I totally can. I, I remember having a couple of kids, one kid in particular, I remember vividly at a very young age who had leukemia. We were, I think in first or second grade. Yeah. When he was diagnosed. So let me hear let me hear you talk about how it is, what you think are the tools, tool or tools that got you and your woman through this time together, knowing that you wanted to be a team rather than be forced apart by the stress of it. Well, healing is a one thing I've learned is healing is a participatory experience. I mean, I think the tendency is, oh, I can heal on my own. I'm gonna get through this on my own. I'm resilient. But we've needed the support of our community to get through this. The doctors don't heal your soul and they, they don't tell you always the things that make you feel good. They just, it's just science and science is saving her life. And we're so grateful for how advanced and successful they are in treating this type of cancer because a lot of cancers are still unknown and it's experimental and clinical trials and this type of leukemia is They've got a path for it and they've got a treatment and it works. And so I'm so grateful for doctors, but doctors don't always like tell you things that make you feel like you can sleep better at night. We needed healers and we need family and people that we know and don't know have sent us gifts and gift cards and, you know, buy you dinner for on a night when you don't want to cook and you can't cook because you've been at the clinic all day and, um, the whole community has like kind of embraced us. Like the rabbi comes and gives a little sermon at our house. Oh, Koopy, I'm talking about you right now. She just showed up. <laughs> Cooper! Oh my gosh, I can't wait to meet that girl. Hi, Cooper. Do you want to say hi? Hi, Cooper. Hi, girl. You want to say hi, honey? I'm an old friend of your daddy's. Yeah, Super old friend. You want to say hi? Well, she's might- listening. I know. I feel it. I might have known daddy. <laughs> I knew daddy before you knew daddy, yeah. actually. She likes it. You want to sit on my lap and listen? Mm. So, so she's sitting on my lap now. But Perfect. Perfect. But, Hi, Cooper. Yeah. You're going to go get iced tea with mommy. Yes. Okay. Yes. Love you so much. Have a kiss. Love you, Cooper. Oh, you say hi to Elena. Bye, Cooper. Have fun with, <laughs> have fun with mommy. So, but yeah, that's been a big deal is just that healing is participatory and we need each other to get through something like this. And everyone kind of puts you at ease and helps you take a breath. You know, when I'm my most scared moments, I reach out to another father who's had two kids with cancer, two kids, if you can believe that. And so he's been through this twice and he is there for me in my most scared moments. And you, you just can't reach the doctor they're not there to make you feel better. They're there to tell you what's what and, you know, things that the science, but this dad's like, look, we've been through this and he's given me advice to the scariest moments. 
And I, I don't know what I would have done without other parents who have been through this. So, so, so beautiful, Dave. Yeah. We need each other though. Healing is not something you can do on your own. And if you think you can, I think you're making it harder on yourself. That's been a big message for me. Then I would love to walk into your son's space just for one hot second. And then we're going to go into meditation. How is he doing? Where is he? Is he in school? What's going on with him? Yeah, that's amazing that you're asking because I I always write about what I'm going through with Cooper and share on my social media and my blog and my meditations. And I, I don't talk as much about him, which is kind of a beautiful thing because he's living a normal childhood. He goes to school full time. He's got his friends and he's living a normal life. And he and I can do things that go to the science museum and, you know, have all sorts of experiences. We took him to the spring training baseball game and stuff that she can't do yet. So I don't really talk about that because it's it's normal, but maybe I should talk more about him because, you know, maybe that's not fair. So it's good that you asked and I can I can share that question I have for myself and my community out loud is, you know, what should I be doing that differently? Is he bearing a, a brunt and how can I come to my relationship with my son differently? I don't have all the answers. And these are the examples of ways that when you're walking one child through cancer treatment, things can fall out of balance. I wonder if it might be interesting for you. I'm sure you do this already, but anyway, it's something I did with my one son every day and still do if I'm with him at bedtime. But I would just ask him, like, is there anything that I could have done better today? <laughs> That's great. Thank you for that advice. It's That's so amazing. cool. It's from, it's from my work with the Handel Group. And guess what? He always... At the early stages, he was like three, four, five when I first started to ask him. And he was super cool telling me like anything that I needed to know that should be different. It was awesome. And now, you know, we sort of clean up our messes in the moments. So we don't have so much anymore. But yeah, ask him every night or make a specific time that's only for him. Maybe. I don't know. That's why you're an incredibly gifted healer because you introduce that. And we're going to probably ask our kids that every night for the rest of their childhood. It's the best. It's thank, the you best. For, thank you for that gift. That's amazing. It's a gift that keeps on giving. You know, what's neat is that Cooper also will really appreciate having that question asked of her. I'm certain. Yeah. I'm certain. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. Now let's talk about meditation because this is, I think, in my humble opinion, where you shine in the world. Uh, I read your weekly blog that you send out by email. I love it. It's what touched me to call you, actually. It's so beautifully written, Dave. You're such a good writer. I can't get over lot, you. It a lot coming from you. But really, oh, It's just exact. It's the pithiest, most potent points that you offer. And then you leave. It's as though you're leaving space with actual space in your blog. Like you don't just go line, 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 line. You have many open spaces in the blog. And I feel like I'm speaking to you and we're getting older. We have these silent moments where we don't really need to speak. And I can just sit there for a moment and listen to what you just said again and again yeah. and again. So thank you for it. Yeah. Teach us, teach my listener and me about how meditation has touched your life and what it's done in terms of helping you now. Well, I mean, what I do is I have these meditations that I share with my community and and it's really raw. It's not 
so much technique driven as it's storytelling oriented. And then I leave space and guide people through moments of reflection. And I, I create and record these in my Subaru out front of my house with my little pink yoga towel draped over my head for sound. And I share the moments when I'm scared and the moments when I'm triumphant. You know, there was one moment where the doctor called, she had to go to the ER because she had a fever and the doctor, they said that they saw these cells in her tests and they might just be young immune cells, but they might be cancer cells and they didn't know. And so it was about 12 hours until the, like, the guy was back in the lab because it was late at night and we had to wait 12 hours not knowing if her cancer was back. And that was the scariest 12 hours of my life by far. And we suffered through that uncertainty. And then the next morning they said, it's not cancer, it's just your young immune cells. Sorry, we put you through that. And you know, we're like, I mean, that's like, I mean, if you're a parent and you're listening, can, you can imagine the anguish. And in, in, in those moments I share, it's my saving grace. I, I share these meditations, I share one each day and I bear my heart and soul and it's raw and it's, it's real and, and I hope it's relatable. And so um, I have like 21 day, a 21 day series that's free and it's my gift. And I talk a lot about everything I've learned from my daughter. And listen, she's bald now, but she's the bald headed guru. <laughs> and I never thought that I'd say that the bald headed, my bald headed guru is a four year old, but it's proven to be that. And, and so there's a, I, I hope that you can share the link with your listeners and I definitely and, will. Yeah. And um, this is the way that I, it's really saved me in this process of just being able to reach out to my community and offer the pain and the anguish and also like the the blessings of a beautiful day because when you have a normal day now having been through this a normal day is amazing and i used to think well, like a normal day left me wanting for more but now a normal day is amazing and so that's a gift that i hope to share with people your website for my listener, just so you have it in front of you as you're listening, uh, Dave's website is davidromanelli.com. He has only two L's. Everything else is a singular letter, davidromanelli.com. The meditation, which is a free 21-day journey in which Dave shares his style of meditation, get your pen ready, is meditate O N. Okay, so M-E-D-I-T-A-T-E-O-N, meditate on, dot, davidromanelli.com. And that's a really good way to get to know Dave. Dave is a very, very special human. I don't just have anyone on the podcast. Dave is a very special human, and his teaching is singular and truly of the healing realms, I feel. And I just want to mention that when you first reached out to me, to be on your podcast, I was in the children's hospital, like kind of just in the thick of it. And I remember vividly, you know, you're reaching out and I was like, Oh my God, that would be amazing. I don't know how I could do that right now. But I feel so lucky that I'm sitting in my backyard now and not the children's hospital and able to, to share this moment with you. And those are like little victories and things that you remember having gotten through all those days and nights at the children's hospital and being able to sit and just have a talk with you and not be so worried and not be so stricken with uncertainty. You know, 
that's my new normal and and it's a beautiful place to be and i i really appreciate it i'm so glad we did this uh yeah. have a tear in my eye <laughs> my Thank son you. and i i'm just remembering my son and i used to go to one of the hospitals in new york columbia presbyterian and we would go to the uh cancer ward for the kids cancer ward Oh. And we would sort of, we a friend of mine who was a doctor there snuck us in there. And I would just go around to each family of the children. I, I don't know how I didn't remember this until this moment. And we would give parents or the kids Reiki. We would sit and talk to them. We would bring the oils and, you know, just rub feet or hands or whatever anybody wanted, really. I would teach the nurses meditation when they were available. And... Um, we got to do that until one day a beautiful 14-year-old Indian boy happened to code while we were there talking with his mom. He coded and eventually died. And it was, we got thrown out at that point. But that was one of the most special times in my life. So I know how you feel, both having been in there and seeing all the miracles of it. And I also know how it feels to get out of there after so long and just be yeah. home and having a normal day. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. I, um, yeah. Um, if you would be open to it, I would love for you to lead a very short three, five minute meditation so that my listener can get to know you a little bit um, okay. and feel what I feel about you. And I just wanted to follow up that story and mention that 80% of kids do survive childhood cancer. So the outcomes are usually very good. And it is incredibly difficult to walk on the oncology floor of a children's hospital and see the kids that are going through this. But I do want to say that 80% of them survive. And there are those stories like the one told that are, it, it doesn't always happen like that. And I've gotten to know parents, you know, one of whom just lost a kid and, and you hear this, this stories and it's the hardest part of all this is not even what my own daughter's been through, but getting to know other families and hearing their stories. And it's, it's not always such a clear path and that's the hard part. And navigating that does require a lot of meditation. So it is a good segue to take a moment and I'd be honored to to share just a, a few minutes with your audience. No, please do. I, I would love that. And um, I also concur many of the kids, most of the kids that we were working with at that time made it and are thriving. So I do. Yeah. Yeah. I know that to be true, but thank you so much in advance for leading us. Thank you. Yeah. So I just, just want to invite everyone to take a moment and, and push back from your computer, your phone, if you can, if you can, close your eyes and just put your right hand on your belly and your left hand on your heart. Right hand on the belly, left hand on the heart. And one of the things that comes up a lot with cancer, and you know, one in three Americans face cancer, whether it's with their, their own health or with someone that they're very close to. So it, it comes into so many of our lives. And 
when it comes up, it's often about what can go wrong. What's going to go wrong now? This went wrong. How's it going to keep going wrong? And so one of the things that meditation has really helped me with is let's change that conversation about what can go right and focus on and meditate on and celebrate all the things in your life that are going right. And just the breath, just being able to breathe in a 24 hour period, we take over 20,000 breaths and that just happens automatically, naturally. And so if you need one thing to focus on that is going right, start with your breath. So we're just going to inhale and follow the inhale through the right hand on the belly. And exhale, follow the exhale through the left hand on the heart. And inhale through the right hand on the belly. And exhale through the left hand on the heart. Just keep the breath flowing. And see if you can Hold on to that stream of breath. Inhale through the right hand on the belly. Exhale through the left hand on the heart. And there have been so many moments in this last year where I get stuck worried, sad, sometimes just tired. And I get back into the stream, into the flow. And the breath takes me back to a place where things are healing and things are moving forward. And it's not what's wrong, but but what's right. So just taking one more moment here. And if there's something in your life today that you've been fixated on that is messy, and feels like it's difficult, confusing. Can you let the breath guide you back to a place where it's going to work itself out? You're going to let it go and feel whole again. So just taking a moment now, if 
If your eyes were closed, you can open them. So delicious, Dave. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity to share with you and and for that little gift of asking my kids what we can do better today. That's a real gift. Hmm. I look forward to hearing your updates and revisiting this at some point in the future. And I want to just remind my listener, meditate on... So the word meditate and the word on dot David Romanelli.com. And you will have 21 days of free time, free meditations with Dave and all of his heart and all of his deliciousness. Thank you so much, Dave, for being here. And I can't wait to see what comes next for you. Thank you, Elena. Thank you. Thank you, AG1, for sponsoring the Practice You podcast. My listener, you've been hearing me talk about AG1 for some time. I think I've been taking it daily for almost three years. 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens in one scoop in the morning. The best way to start your day supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and longevity, the conversation of the moment. The taste is delicious. It's suitable whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It contains less than one gram of sugar. No nonsense in here at all. It's a multivitamin that your body will actually absorb. If you are wanting to make an investment in your health and longevity, AG1 costs you less than $3 a day, far less expensive, and definitely less time-consuming than many different supplements. Reclaim your health, arm your immune system with convenient, delicious daily nutrition. And since you listen to the Practice You podcast, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of immune-boosting vitamin D and 5 free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com forward slash Elena. Once again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash E-L-E-N-A. Take ownership of your health, my listener. And thank you, Athletic Greens and AG1.